Chapter 22 marks quite the transition. The action moves to the estate of Prince Andrei's father, Nikolai Belkonsky. His large land and place has a nickname. It's called Bald Hills, and it's near or in Smolensk. Now, Smolensk is an extremely important East European city. It's located on the Dnieper River, about 220 miles southwest of Moscow. Actually, more west, but slightly to the south. Presently, it's north of Ukraine and slightly to the east of the border with Belarus. There are records and mentions of it from the year 893 AD. Smolensk was later part of the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, Muscovy, the Russian Empire, French occupation, which will be dealt with in this book, and in the 20th century, it was under German occupation in World War II. It's a city that has historically changed hands and is considered on the invasion route if headed toward Moscow. While Bald Hills is fictional, it is quite symbolic. For pretty much the first time, we are away from the major cosmopolitan centers of St. Petersburg and Moscow, and Smolensk is representing the countryside, and Nikolai Belkonsky is from that same old order as Count Bezikov. Nikolai is a fictional character, but is said to be once a famous general nicknamed the King of Prussia. Some scholars have posited he might be based on one of Tolstoy's cousins, Sergei Volkonsky, who was a hero of the Napoleonic Wars. Tolstoy writes that Nikolai was barred from the cities due to a falling out with then-Emperor Paul. And Emperor Paul was a very unpopular leader who reigned from 1796 until he was killed by someone within his own household in St. Petersburg in 1801. So being banished by Emperor Paul is meant to be a fictional badge of honor. Emperor Paul was the only son of Peter III and Catherine the Great, and he was known for his intervention in the French Revolution, and there is speculation that his death was due to his very pro-German views. This outlook is not that hard to fathom, as his mother Catherine was of German ethnicity. Given Nikolai Belkonsky's nickname is the King of Prussia, it's also quite possible that he is of German stock. But we never really find out why he has been banished. It's also mentioned that at some point this ban was lifted, but out of principle, the elder Belkonsky decided to stay in the countryside. He had the attitude that anybody who wishes to see me can make the effort, and many important people would make that pilgrimage. He lives with his daughter, Maria, or Maria. Also living on the estate is Mademoiselle Borien who is taken in by the old prince and is something of a companion to Maya. The Belkonsky estate at Bald Hills is the epitome of order. The old general has no tolerance for the two vices of idleness and superstition. He also has a boundless energy and also intelligence to him. He rigorously tutors his daughter from algebra to geometry and provides endless advice on the plethora of topics that he is familiar with. He keeps his daughter on a rigorous schedule throughout the day, and he spends his own time writing his military memoir, as well as solving math problems and doing carpentry. He even takes care of his own property by maintaining the garden 
and serving as something of a superintendent or architect. Basically, he has his hands in everything. He is a true general or director. It's also noted how he appears at the exact same moment each day, ready for his servants to get him his meals. So perhaps the honorific king of Prussia has something to do with his disciplined nature. He's described as exacting, but not cruel. He's a towering figure without the vices of having multiple women and illegitimate children of Count Bezikov. As far as his appearance, he really wasn't a giant, more like a little old man who carried both the odors of tobacco and old age. He had bushy gray eyebrows, a cold smile, and yellowing teeth. He greeted all his guests in a powdered wig. And critically, he kept himself busy at every moment. He could be working with a lath, or he could be at his table, which was covered in books and various plans. He had continuous, varied, and regulated activity, which kept him strong in body and mind. This chapter brings us to the morning where the prince expects his son to arrive, as well as his daughter-in-law. And on this auspicious morning, when Maria realizes that her father is about to greet her as she's doing her geometry lessons, she crosses herself in trepidation. The old man tells his daughter that he has a letter for her, and he volunteers that he won't read this one, but sort of to monitor her behavior and make sure she's not getting bogged down in idle gossip. He tells her that he's going to read every third letter of hers. Maria says, you can read this one if you want but he lets the letter pass to his daughter. The letter is from Julie Karagin. Nikolai then draws Julie's attention to the geometry problem. The princess wasn't figuring out how to do it, which was a common occurrence, and she was made nervous by her father. She became quite red-faced. Before too long, the elderly teacher would grow frustrated, push back his chair, and then try to control his inner anger. He usually wound up flinging the exercise book across the room and storming away. On this day, he yelled to himself about his daughter's incapacity to grasp the problem, but he caught himself and returned to his seat to give his daughter a comforting touch. He can be quite impatient and rigid. He went about explaining the answer and told Maria that mathematics are the most important subject. He instructed her, I don't want you to be like all other silly women. Persevere, and you will get to like this. When Maria got up to leave, her father noted that Julie also sent her a religious book. It was entitled The Key to the Mystery. It appeared to be something of a faddish interpretation of a traditional doctrine. It was clear that he was unimpressed. The princess was then able to finally leave with the book in tow. After this interaction, we get a description of Maria's face. She had something of a scared expression. It was a plain, sickly face. But nevertheless, Princess Maria had these majestic eyes. And when she went to her room, it's noted that it was as untidy as her father's was tidy. She put the book to the side and eagerly opened the letter from Julie, which was written in French. 